What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Today we have my better half, Leah Piper on. Dun, da, da, da. Yeah, and we're going to talk about meat cutting. Why are we going to talk about meat cutting? Yeah. Um, I grew up basically in a grocery store slash butcher shop. Um, my dad processed wild game, um, and my that actually started with my great uncle, and then my grandpa ran it, and then my dad ran it. So, kind of long lineage of meat processing in our family. Uh, I started cutting when I had a butter knife in my hand, probably about three years old. As soon as I could stand, they set me up on a cardboard box with a rack of ribs that they'd already cut everything off of and I could whittle on it with a butter knife and I thought I was pretty nifty mm-hmm. so I do know a little bit about cutting meat um but I'm also just gonna give PSA I'm not here to tell you 100% how to do it if you guys got a great way that you like to cut meat keep doing it I think it's mm-hmm. great as long as everybody's doing their own stuff there's just like such a shortage in meat processors anymore um, my dad even sold the shop and the lady that bought it didn't, didn't want anything to do with it. So it's just mm-hmm. like one less place that people can go. So if you want to be a meat cutter, it's a good, uh, good opportunity to jump into it right now. There's a, there's a big need. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a huge need. There's not even a processor around our area that takes deer. I don't think. Honestly thought about like taking a leave of absence every year and just cutting meat. I can mm-hmm. probably double my income if I yeah. took a leave of absence, Seriously. <laughs> which is crazy. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when I was, when I went on my sheep hunt, it was like super short time period of time when we got out of the field, when we were going to go on our like to get on our flight back home. So I was just like, I just got meat and it was like deboning it off the bone basically. And just like throwing the big chunks in and like, I didn't really know what I had and I knew it wasn't really pretty when I got home, but I went out to clean gear or whatever. When I came back inside, you had like, you had it all like top round sirloin, <laughs> all this stuff. And I was like, how the hell do you know what that is? It's Sometimes like the it's football a mystery. looking one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, and when it comes to like butchering your own game, does it matter to know those names? No. Like if you can identify what looks like a steak versus what looks like you should grind it up into burger, I feel like that's like 90% of the battle. Yeah, I think that's the win because otherwise if you just like throw everything in that looks like steak, like I didn't know that round steak was tough or yeah, whatever is tough. Like I didn't know that. I just pull it out and try to eat it and you're like... Well, it just tough. depends on what kind of game it is, too, because a round steak on a on a big old bull elk is going to be probably pretty darn chewy. And a round steak on a whitetail is going to be like j- better than the bull elk's tenderloin as far as like tenderness goes, you know. Mm-hmm. So per game meat, if you're talking does versus bucks and bulls and all the things, you know, like cows and does tend to be a little um, more tender. Cause they're not going through the rut. You're not shooting them when they're in the rut. They're all muscled up. They still have some fat on their bodies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it just depends on what you're at. Cause I always keep the round on a white tail. I keep it full steak form and eat it and it's delicious. But if it, if I'm talking to like a big old bull elk, I'm going to want to cube steak that a little bit and tenderize it. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you wrote notes cause you're note oriented. I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Actually, this one I knew you had notes. So. Yeah. yeah. We've been trying to do this podcast for about two months now. Literally forever. So it's amazing that I didn't lose this this <laughs> lose little bit notes. of note. It's been like from my backpack to the truck to everything. So I just started off step one, get the animal off the mountain. 
how are we going to do it? Yeah. And I think one thing that we had, so you shot your elk. We're going to go into that later when I get back after season, but you shot your elk in Colorado this year. And that was like a deboning in the field situation. That was like mm-hmm. a little bit different than what. Yeah. Um, I would say that I I grew up kind of spoiled. I always had horses and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So if you have game um, or stock, it's always better to, you know, use your assets, right? And so I grew up with my family always having horses. Um, so when we have horses, we will quarter out an elk, but we leave the hide on and the bone in. Mm-hmm. The hide will protect, um, it's basically a, a, the, the elk's own game bag, basically. And if it's cold enough, you don't like, it'll still get, uh, c- cooled out. Um, so you can leave the hide on and it'll protect that whole side, basically anything that wasn't on the inside of the joint. Um, and then, you know, throw in your pack bags and, and off you go type of thing. Skin yeah. it when you get home, boom, <clears throat> you got this like nice and clean, um, quarter. Whereas when you're backpacking, obviously you're going to want to take all of that weight out. Um, so you're not going to leave the hide on, you're going to take the bones out, everything like that. Um, and so that's when you're going to want some good game bags. Um, we're going to recommend, like we use our golly game bags. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want to get my hands on the born and raised game bags. Yeah. I like, I look at those and I'm just like, Oh man, that zipper system. Like, mm-hmm. it just seems nice. Cause like, you know, Jordan and I are s- strong women, but it's still hard to like hold up a quarter of an elk out from your body to pull a game bag up on it. You know, it's just yeah. kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, biggest things I will say is, uh, to try and take all of the meat off the bone in the, the biggest chunk that you can possibly get it off of as in, don't take it off in sections. Like you should have one giant chunk of meat that just has a slit down the middle, basically from where you took that bone out. Don't, don't take it off in sections of each, you know, if you're doing a hind, don't, don't take off your rounds and everything uh, in, in sections because when you throw those all in a game bag and then you get home and they're hanging out in the game bag or whatever, every, bit that has touched the air or is touching everything else you know it always gets slimy or if it if you are able to get it aired out properly then you've got that hard rind on there and you're just losing more meat because you got to cut all of that outside stuff off again so if you can leave it in the biggest meat piece possible um by just taking out the bone and not chunking it into into smaller chunks you're gonna save more meat makes sense (laughs) (laughs) um the um, other thing that I see all the time that, I mean, it's personal preference. If you want to be like cool and carry more weight out, uh, it's fine if you are carrying a bone in uh, out. But mm-hmm. I always see people with the bottom of the legs still attached, like the yeah. hoofs just smacking them in the head the whole time that they're walking out. And I'm like, guys, that's a, that's like five to 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you carrying that out? Like cut the leg off. And so I don't know, maybe it's people not knowing 100% how to hit that joint. And pop them off. Yeah, you can hit that thing with a little knife. Tiny pocket knife. Yeah. yeah. Just circumna- circumferential cut around the joint. And you can like kind of move the leg and feel where that joint is. My advice is always start lower than you think towards the hoof. And you can always work up, um, especially on the back leg. If you start too high, uh, if you're trying to use 
um, the tendon and everything on that knee joint to hang it. If you start too high, you can actually cut through the joint in a bad spot and it, and it kind of weakens that. And so you go to hang it up and it pops that tendon out of there. Mm -hmm. So if you start low, you just always want to be low and you can pop it from there. But yeah, it's just kind of like cutting circumferentially around it and then get your knee in there and, and kind of bend it over your knee and it should, um, pop towards you. Yeah. I mean, 20 seconds if you're yeah rocking it mm-hmm. um i some so like the the elk that we shot in nebraska that thing had to be it had to have its lower leg attached oh you in the state you have to leave it yeah it's like oh, a weird, weird. yeah huh. maybe i should stop talking so much shit about people leaving no legs well i mean most western states you don't have to i don't huh. think i mean i think that's just a nebraska thing so they make sure you shot an elk instead of a steer or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do they like take the hoof when you like check it in? No, I didn't go with the guy to check it in, so I'm not sure. Huh. I'm not sure what they did, but weird. But um, yeah, that was in the that was in the rig book. If you're a Nebraska biologist, can you tell us why you have to leave the hoof on? I'm cu- I'm I'm curious. Yeah. Um. Okay. Just uh. Again, if you're gonna leave the meat on the mountain, um, overnight. Or during the day, even uh, if you got to do some loads, find yourself some shade. If you can find anywhere near water, um, the air is just cooler near water, and so it's always better to hang up kind of shade near water. It's cooler down there, um, and airflow in general. Um, if you leave something laying on the ground, whatever's laying on the ground is going to get hot, and especially like we were fine um, during November because you know we can throw it on the ground yeah. and it's in the snow staying cool you're you shoot something during archery season and you got to get that thing cooled off it's like your number one like task is save the meat you know yeah i would definitely say it's like if you can hang it up hang it up yep but like where we were those little like brush trees like there's no hanging a full-on quarter up in those trees i don't think no i I, that would have just bent over Mm -hmm. and it would have been on the ground anyways so there's just like some bushes with some snow on them mm-hmm. we just like tossed them in where we knew that when we came back the next day the sun would still they'd still be in the shade by the time yep. we got there yep um, and it's worth it you know like if it's august and it's hot and you got to move that meat 100 yards to get it into a good spot to hang it up like th- that's just what you got to do you know mm-hmm. you're on an open hillside where you shoot it you've got to move it yeah yeah um, there's no we had the luxury of, of having a cold november day but um yeah it, it's a whole different story in august yeah um, and then airflow is your friend, you know, just getting air, you know, if air can be around it, um, that's always just going to be better for it. Um, next thing is, uh, when you get it home, um, I always like to kind of like wash it off. Um, if you, if you get to take something home whole, good for you, uh, you know, skin mm-hmm. it out and, and take the hose to it, wash it off, let it, let it drip dry. And then, you know, it'll it'll be so much easier for you, um, to cut that up later. And same thing if you're quartering anything out, blah, blah, blah. Um, even just taking a wet rag and, and wiping that stuff off. It's easier when you do it right off the bat than when it's, um, dried into the rind. Um, and it'll just save your knife when it comes to the butchering process. Uh, other than that, um, on the mountain, I always try and cut off the nasty stuff. If you if you shot anything in the guts, make sure all that green is out of there. Um, if you get any, you know, 
anything that's bloodshot and stuff like that, there's no sense in carrying that off the mountain. So you can leave that for the coyotes. Just lower your weight. And same thing, if you get home and you're, you know, going to hang it up and it's got some gross stuff on there, especially if you're wanting to dry age something, you got to get that bacteria off there. And so cut that off, get that out of your way. Um, and you'll be, you'll be better off when it comes down the road. Uh, you won't get any mold or anything like that going on it. Um, I built myself a hanger in the garage, uh, with some two by sixes that are screwed up to the, um, the ceiling on the in the studs. In the studs. Oh yeah, in the boy. Studs. <laughs> could not think of the word studs save my life. Yeah. Um and then I have another spot on the wall that I can hook a come along to and it loops up through that two by six on the on the uh ceiling. Mm-hmm. So then I can just just ratchet uh whatever meat if I've got a full deer I can ratchet it out of the back of my truck or you can hang up quarters and stuff on there um and I highly suggest if you're going to be an at-home butcher that you get yourself a spot that you can hang stuff up whether it's a tree in your backyard or something like that like that's kind of hard because inevitably a bird is going to find find your meat um but um getting stuff hung up and then if it's warm even if it's like mediocre like a hot day on in october i highly suggest getting a fan and have an airflow just blowing onto it because you know a cooler uh a butcher shop is going to be in the mid 30s uh low 40s on in temperature and that is a constant airflow type of a system going in there and so even if it's like 50 degrees outside and to us it seems like it's pretty warm and it is decently warm but you throw air onto that meat and it's going to cool it off a lot, a lot easier. Um, yeah. Figure out yourself a hanger situation. Yeah. And, uh, if you're doing it full on, especially a deer, hang it by their back legs, (laughs) not by their antlers Yeah, or their head. Um, and then what we do too, before we hang them up, usually like when we're doing the outfitting stuff, we skin like around their we skin around that, uh, like where you hang them up with that tendon or whatever. Yeah, in the back. We skin around that before we hang them up. Mm-hmm. So then you're not trying to do that, like with your hands above your head. Oh, a yeah. Bunch. It's like already kind of skinned and then hang them up and then you can keep going on them. But anyway. Yeah. And the, the, it is easier to hit that joint if you, um, you can kind of put that leg in between your legs and skin up to that joint and then skin around there if you don't know exactly where that joint is. Yeah, and then you can see and it. And then you can see it. And so it makes it a lot easier. So if, mm-hmm. if you haven't done that very often, to skin around it, it's, it makes it pretty nice. And by putting the leg in between your legs, it kind of gives you a handle to like start that skinning process too. Yeah. Um. We have, I've talked about um, building my own cooler mm-hmm. out at the ranch, um, especially uh, where Jordan's outfitting. You can get yourself like an old shed and throw an air conditioner in there and if the shed and insulate the shed really good. And just a, a window air conditioner can make yourself a kind of like a little cooler situation. Throw yourself yeah. some hangers across the rafters in there and you can throw a bunch of meat and stuff in there. I know of a couple of people that have done that and it seems to work pretty well. Okay, everyone, just going to interrupt this podcast real quick to thank our sponsor, Onyx Hunt Maps, for sending this podcast through your speakers. You can get 20% off of a Onyx Hunt membership by entering code ROCKCAST 
at checkout. And also want to thank one of our partners, Black Rifle Coffee, for making the best damn coffee around. So my personal favorite um, lately, well, I've got a lot of favorites. I just like all of their light roasts, but the Silencer Smooth we've been using lately and it's been great. So go check them out, blackriflecoffee.com. And yeah, we'll continue on with the show. Um, step three is processing of the meat. Um, depending on how long you guys like to hang your meat up, um, then you're going to start your cutting process. The tools you're going to need are your knife. Um, is the most important, I think. Uh, I, I prefer these knives. They're called, uh, geysers. Believe they're geyser. Yeah. Geyser. G I E S S E R. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone knows how to say that. Um, these are just the knives that my dad has used for a long time. They're thin, they're flexible. So you can kind of work around like more like a fillet type of a knife that you can work around your bones and stuff on. Um, I grew up thinking that these knives were like the most expensive thing in the planet. Like, my dad treated these knives like they were gold. I was using, like, my grandpa's knife that's 20 years old because my dad was just like, oh, man, these knives are expensive and blah, blah, blah. And it was like I got into high school. My dad gave me a new knife, and it was just like, hallelujah, <laughs> like this, like, holy grail of knives. And, I, I like, he gave it to me for Christmas thinking, I'm like, holy crap, he just dropped, like, 200 bucks on this knife. Like, yeah. this is crazy. And I get, I get older, and I, like – Realize that I need some of these knives for when I'm butchering by myself at home. And I asked my dad where he gets them. And um, he get it, there's a little butcher supply place over here in Nampa. Um, and it, it's called Gearing and Sons. And so we go, I go over there and I'm expecting to drop some solid coin on this <laughs> knife. And I walk inside and they've got all these knives sitting there. And I'm like, okay, this is the exact one I want. I want this 20 centimeter, nice thick one, all this stuff. I'm like, that's that's it. And I'm like, you know, it's like that moment you see it and it's just like, there it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the lady grabs it down and um, I was like, so how much is it? And she looks and she's like, um, let me look. And goes to the computer. She goes, that one's $32.25. <laughs> and I was like, What? <laughs> Like, you have to be shitting me. Like, my dad was so cheap. Mm-hmm. He was just like, this, like, no. And he'll, he still, he uses the same knife for, like, five plus years. And, I mean, if you sharpen it correctly, like, you shouldn't need to go get a new knife all the time. But as a kid who was, like, using these old, old, old knives, I could have swore these knives were going to be expensive. So, what I'm saying is, go get yourself a good knife or two or three or four if you have buddies that are going to want to come help you and then they can uh, help you out with a proper knife instead Mm -hmm. of like a big thick bladed knife is super hard to butcher with. Um, So yeah, go and get that. I have a 20 centimeter and I like a 15 centimeter uh, for like going around bones and stuff like that. Um, I have a, like a hand wand sharpener uh, that I use that is nice to just like do the, like a little finishing. Like after I get done with every quarter, I just like clean off my blade, sharpen it really quick and, and get going on to the next uh, quarter. And you like kind of don't realize how dull your knife has gotten. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like razor sharp again. You're like, Oh shit, that's nice. Um, getting a nice big cutting board. I like the bigger, the better. If you can, you want to be able to throw a whole quarter of an elk on there and not be dripping off the sides and stuff like that. Um, the tubs are really nice. Um, 
big meat tubs that, uh, and I think a lot of this stuff you can get on, there's like a lambs, um, uh, lem products. Yeah. L-E-M products. L-E-M. Um, and then I really have used Walton's a lot. Yeah. It's like Walton's Inc. online. And, uh, they have a lot of like crazy seasonings too, where it's like mango habanero and like a lot of wild ones like that. But then they have a ton They have so many, yeah, there's so many options on there and they have like all the meat lugs and everything too. But LEMs, I think really good. Yeah. LEMs just what my dad would use for the butcher shop to order stuff. So that's kind of what I'm used to, but you can also just go to like Cabela's and sportsman's and everywhere has kind of the main setup for what you would need. Um, wrapping paper I get at Costco it comes in a giant wrapping paper roll I think I'm on like year five of the same roll Mm -hmm. like it's huge Uh, and make sure that you're getting freezer paper don't get butcher paper you get like the cool looking brown butcher paper and you think you're being like nifty Mm -hmm. yeah all your meat's gonna be destroyed um you're gonna get really bad freezer burn um and it's not gonna be worth it so you want freezer paper it's got a waxy side on one side and it's regular paper on the other um it's also really important to you can either get um there's freezer sheets um which is like kind of a little plastic uh, wrap that you mm-hmm. can wrap the meat in or if you don't have that uh, you can just use saran wrap and so you want to wrap your meat first with either the freezer sheet or the saran wrap and then wrap it in your freezer paper basically you know when you're hanging meat air is your friend when you're freezing meat air is the enemy mm-hmm. like you want to eliminate as much air around that meat as possible so wrapping it in some film type of saran wrap or freezer sheet is going to help you with that. And then when you wrap the meat in your butcher paper, just as tight as you possibly can to eliminate uh, all the air around it will help you with any um, freezer burn that you might find yourself in. Uh, and then there's vacuum sealers. Jordan has a vacuum yeah, sealer. I was going to talk about that. Yeah. So if you get a vacuum sealer, get one of those kick-ass ones. It's like a chamber that uh i don't know jake has one i'm not sure i guess who else has one but instead of like putting your meat in the freezer bag and then you stick it on the end you know you just like i don't know a regular vacuum sealer that's like a hundred bucks or whatever like they're okay but they're not they're not great like they just it never seems like you can get all the air out of there but those ones that Jake has that like it, you put it inside the entire thing and then you put a giant lid on top of it. He really likes that one. But as far as like the hundred, hundred and fifty dollar ones go for vacuum sealing, like don't waste your money. Just get freezer You're paper. Get a bunch of holes and stuff like that yeah. in it, and all your shit's gonna have a bunch of freezer burn on it. Yeah, and you just like in a lot of that you don't even catch if there's a tiny little hole, you don't catch it until it's like too late in the freezer paper is like for one it's cheap Uh, yeah it's so cheap and for two it's just like bulletproof and like i guess i'm probably a little biased because i grew up with the Mm -hmm. freezer paper um but it's easy to read what you got going on and more so than that it's better it's easier to stack whereas like the the um vacuum sealed stuff is all plastic right and then everything's kind of like a different shape and 
you want to grab, you grab like one thing out of your stand-up freezer and it's like an avalanche of meat products comes mm-hmm. flying out at you. <laughs> and, you know, some of those can be heavy. You got to watch your toes, man. Mm-hmm. And um, so just like as far as ease of stacking, once it's, you know, you got to wrap it in the freezer all nice and stuff. Like I, I just have been used to wrapping paper and it seems like it works really well. I don't have a giant... I guess I have a giant roll of freezer paper I have to take care of. I was going to say I don't have a giant uh, vacuum Mm -hmm. sealer to have to put away all the time. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just used to it, and it seems to work really well. Um, And then – You've converted me. I mean, we can still vacuum seal whatever you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No. I keep it down, like, so we can, like, vacuum seal stuff for the hunters or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. If you had a vacuum sealer on your list for Christmas – take it off <laughs> yeah get some freezer paper yeah some especially uh, if it was like a hundred dollar one like if it wasn't some like souped up sweet vacuum sealer i wouldn't do it yeah key things you need is either saran wrap or freezer sheets the freezer paper and even almost more importantly freezer tape mm. i got a lot of buddies they'll try and use duct tape mm-hmm. you sure as hell aren't going to use any Christmas wrapping tape or anything like that because mm-hmm. the freezer is going to destroy all the stickiness on those. I don't know what freezer tape is made of that is different than duct tape and all these other things, but duct tape works really well for all your household other chores. Don't put it on there mm-hmm. because it's going to pull off and unravel and then you're going to have a mess on your hands of meats uh, having freezer freezer burn and stuff like that. So freezer tape, I think... I bought the freezer tape and the dispenser and the dispenser was like 10 bucks and it, it came with like two freezer tape things that I'm still using. Um, the wrapping paper, I want to say the wrapping paper was like 25 bucks at Costco. And that was a it was giant like, roll. Huge. Like. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to get real bougie, you can get like the little holder that you can stand on your, um, your table and pull the sheet out and then go whoosh and mm-hmm. rip it. It's got the little serrated edges. Um, I think I got that, um, from that shop here in Nampa and it was like 15 bucks or something. Yeah. So, and it just makes Worth it. little things that make your life a lot easier. Like, yeah, I could have the roll standing there and I could pull it out and I could use a scissor whoop, and cut it down and cut it down. But when you're like hauling ass and you got a bunch of burger or sausage mm-hmm. that you're trying to do and you need to throw a hundred sheets out really quick, it's nice to just pull that out, pull it out, pull it out. Like, yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. Let me, let me know if you guys like my uh, sound effects. <laughs> um, yeah, the next thing is just um, marking your meat. I uh, tend to throw a date or like a year on there, what it is. Yeah, it's a good like idea. an M for mule deer, a W for whitetail, you know, different things like that. Um, and then I will change up my colors because I like to make a lot of um italian sausage and breakfast sausage as well as burger um so normally i'll take my burger and i'll split it kind of in half and be like hey that's going to be a regular burger and now the other half i'll split those and do breakfast sausage and italian sausage so i try to use a different color marker um for the italian sausage versus the breakfast sausage um or you can get stickers if you want to have some fun get like a random sticker or something like that and put on there anything that makes it easily identifiable in your freezer to grab like i know if i like see something red in the freezer boom that's my italian sausage Mm -hmm. can grab it just makes it easier to find it especially if you have a a big 
uh, chest freezer where sometimes things can get lost towards the bottom. If you mm-hmm. can like easily identify something, it's easier to grab it out. Um, as far as, yeah, we're still on tools here. Um, a grinder is probably like the biggest purchase if you're going to be an yeah. at home, at home meat cutter. I do, you know, when we were cutting meat at my dad's, we would have people that would cut their steaks and stuff at home. Um, and then they would just bring in their grind. Um, yeah. Is it really? Is it really 1138? Yeah. 28? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got to go. What time do I have to be there? You got, yeah, you need, we got to go. Okay. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to circle back. Yeah. We're going to circle back, um, on this episode. I have got to catch a plane, but, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hit like more of like the post-processing, like yeah. stuff of like making sausage and making some of that stuff. I don't really know how to do some of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, as I've far got, as, yeah. We've got a whole whole other side of my sheet of paper to go through yeah. at this point, and I was trying to talk as fast as possible, but that didn't. No, happen. all good. Jordan's well, uh, got a flight in an hour. This will be a part one, <laughs> and then we'll we'll do a part two when I get home. Yeah, in a couple weeks. So. Okay. All right. See you guys on the next one.